Hey, if you're listening to this, there's a really good chance that you are a musculoskeletal provider. And if you are a musculoskeletal provider, you got to take notes. You got to render diagnosis and you got to charge people the right service fees. Well, there is no better software in our mind than Jane. Jane is an all-in-one solution that handles EMR, handles payments, handles scheduling, handles everything. I hate charting. I will tell you that straight up. But you know what? When I chart in Jane, it's not so bad. You're probably of the same mind. Jane lets you customize your templates, build your own workflows, and set it up exactly like you want so you can quickly and easily take accurate patient notes and help people get better. Look, there's no way to get around it. Scheduling, billing, charting, coding, it's all part of the game. That's just table stakes for being a provider. So we got to do it. And if you're going to do it, I can't think of a better option than using the Jane app software. Plus, the team's great. They have memberships built in so that you can run a small gym in your clinic with it. And when it integrates with Trust Driven Care, I don't think there's a more powerful combination out there. If you're interested in EMR, go ahead and reach out to the folks over at Jane. You can just go to jane.app. And if you give them the code Clinic Gym Hybrid, you get a special discount. Check them out, jane.app. And now let's get to our show. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I am so glad you're here. It is our goal to help 10,000 offices build into a clinic gym. Why? It's the best version of musculoskeletal care, and it's the only version that's perfectly in line with the evidence. The word exercise comes up more than any other word in the research, so let's implement that. And this interview was built to help you understand how to do that. Let's jump in. Hey, welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley. And today we are talking all about setting the hours when you start classes in your gym. And I think that um, sometimes people ask that question and there's some very simple solutions that sometimes people miss. And I also want to bring up, a, maybe kind of zoom out a little bit and think about like, how are we approaching this problem and why is it such a big deal? to have the right hours for your classes. So let's start there. What hours, if you were to start a class, right? If you've never had fitness classes before, if you were to start a class, what hours would you want to have um, uh, have them offered? So this is starting out, right? So the first thing I would say, if I were to start one class, assuming that you have a decent sized space and it doesn't disturb clinic operations. We'll get to that in a second. But if it doesn't disturb clinic operations to have a class, I would look first at when are when is the clinic the busiest for two reasons. I would look at when is a clinic the busiest and let's just assume that from 3 to 5 p.m. On weekdays is the busiest time you have, right? Maybe it's mornings, maybe it's around noon, whatever. It's always different based on the geographic market stuff. But I would first look at that for two reasons. Number one, it's when it's busy that time in your clinic. So those are the most requested visits or most requested appointment times. That means people can come in at those times. So they can make it into your clinic and gym and your office at those times, right? That's why they're asking for those those appointment times. And, and if you have to push them later or earlier, what it's telling you is those times that you're pushing them to are less convenient. So when they balance out their workload, their kids and everything, bang, they say, hey, I can come at 4, 4.30 or 5. Those are my, or maybe it's 3, 3.30, 4 or 4.30, right? So again, 3 to 5 p.m. Those end up being the best time to come in. So 
that's what I would look at first. So that's the first reason because your customers are telling you, hey, I can come in during that time, right? The second reason I would do that is assuming that there's a line of sight from your waiting room or from your clinic into your gym, it's a fantastic demonstration of what you believe in, of your mission, of having a blended clinic and gym. And it gives the opportunity to walk out with somebody from the clinic that you just got done treating. And usually you can point to somebody in the gym and go, hey, I know, Mr. Johnson, that your back is hurting, but look in the gym right there and you'll see Steve. And six weeks ago, Steve could barely walk. His back hurt so bad. And look at him now. He's doing pull-ups. He's doing deadlifts. He's doing squats with weight, whatever he's doing at that time. But it reassures those patients and they see an example of how great your care is. In just a few weeks, I could be doing that high-level exercise, right? So it's super powerful in that way. And when you have that busiest time in your clinic, what better time to try and push all those patients, get them started in the process of getting to your gym? You can say, there's Steve, he's lifting. I want you to be there too. Let's set up a time for you to um, do initial assessment with our trainer. or hey, I want you to get there, but we got to get rid of this pain first before I feel comfortable with you graduating to the gym. And again, we always say this graduating to the gym or we want to treat the gym handoff as a accomplishment, not as a secondary kind of care, like a second rate care. So anyways, I would use that time. So if I were setting up uh, initial classes, I would say, when is our clinic the busiest? And look at those times. The other times that I would look at it, Okay, is based on uh, basically this is if you don't have the square footage or if having the gym going kind of disturbs your clinic. What should you do then? It's very simple. I think the best example of this was Chip Bleem. Chip had almost no space. He had 200 square feet, right? 10 feet by 20 feet of just hardwood floor and nothing else, no equipment whatsoever except for a band station mounted on the wall and a single row of kettlebells along one side. That's all the equipment he had. And he started uh, classes. Now, what he did, because it was kind of a big chunk of his clinic, he started when it wouldn't disturb operations. So I believe his first class was 12 to 1 Tuesdays and Thursdays. He treated patients up until noon. Then that class ran from 12 to 1. I think he started back with patients at 2 p.m. Right. So we went 12 to one because the, they could swing the kettlebells, they could do whatever they want, and it wouldn't disturb the clinic. And then he added a second class because Chip's so good and it, it expanded. So he went 12 to one and one to two. And this guy is running classes, only four people in each class, partly because that's the only space he had was 200 square feet. So he's shoving them in there and they can only use kettlebells because Chip found out real quick uh, you don't have room for barbells and you don't have room for people to lay down because those two things are about six feet of space each. And with four people in a 200 square foot space, it just doesn't work. Anyways, so Chip proceeded to do that and had his first two classes at times when it didn't disturb clinic operations, right? So that's fantastic. So you have those classes, either when you're most popular or when you can window it with your clinic, clinic operations. But I don't think the conversation should stop there. One of the greatest parts about having a clinic gym hybrid is that your gym makes money at times your clinic doesn't and vice versa. If you look at any gym in the world, they're popular. They're not full all day long. Now they're 
you know, a big gym, like a lifetime fitness or 24 hour fitness, they're busy all day long, but there are definitely lower times when there's less people taking advantage of the gym. And so use that to your advantage. For example, gyms are almost always busy at 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. And some of them are busy at 7 a.m. In my experience, the most common time people start clinic is at 8, 8.30 or 9, right? So that 8 to 9 hour. Well, if you can start classes at 5 a.m. and you don't start clinic until 8 a.m., that gives you three hours of revenue generation that your clinic doesn't have. Right now, I know there are people out there. Uh, uh, in fact, I know a woman who who would prefer to start at five a.m. Right? She and and a lot of her patients would come see her at that time. Totally cool, but there's going to be some dip in when you don't see patients, and so at those times, your gym can be making a lot of revenue. In a perfect world, you would have classes before your clinic ever opens up, and then you if if your neighborhood or your area uses it, classes at lunchtime when your clinic might be closed or you guys are taking a break, offer classes then, and then offer classes in the afternoon. Most gyms are busy 5, 6 a.m., sometimes 12 to 2, and then again, starting at about 3 or 4 p.m., depending on the area, and it goes all the way till 7, right? So if you're looking at when you should run classes or how you can make revenue, I would go to your local gyms, go to local 24-hour fitness, and go at those different times and find out when are they the busiest. Secondary question to ask you with that or ask yourself there is when are they the busiest with your type of clients? So here's another layer of, of when should you offer your classes? There may be out, uh, external pressure to offer class at a certain time. So let's address that real quick. I think this, the easiest example for people to understand in this one is let's say that you are incredibly driven and motivated to work with high school aged athletes, right? High school aged athletes. Fantastic. I love it. I worked with high school age athletes as well. And one thing you quickly learn is that high school age athletes cannot come when high school is in session, right? So you got to offer classes at 3, 4, 5 p.m. You got to offer class in the afternoon because they have to A, get out of class. And then they might have additional things like practice. If they're a football player, they might have football practice till the evening or, or you know, they might have um, a club going on, right? Or a, um, AP honors class that's only offered in the afternoon, whatever it is, you, if you want to work with high school aged athletes and it's not the summertime, then you're going to only work in the afternoons. Now I will agree. Sometimes they'll come in in the mornings and I trained a, uh, I had a golf team that I, the local high school trained their golf team, uh, every, let's see, it was like Monday, Wednesday, Friday at six or five thirty AM. They went five thirty to six thirty AM and started school at seven and they were motivated. They were awesome. But I just think you're going to have to do it very early, which is less like with high school age kids, or afternoon. And so that might create the pressure as to when you want to start your first class, right? So if it is a high school age athletes, then look at when they're going to be there. If you don't have a gym going yet, I would say go to your local gym, like a big box gym, 24 Fitness or um, LA Fitness Crunch, Equinox, Lifetime, one of those, and see when is this and, and go at different times and see when is it full of the type of person you want. So long ago, I had a business partner and he was, he loved triathlons and he competed, did a great job that ran the Ironman. Um, what is that? Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Oh, sorry. My nose is itching like crazy. He ran Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Now all of his homies that were the little triathlon club, they all 
swam master swimming in the mornings, uh, two days a week. And then they ran together two days a week, like at 5 a.m. When it got to be the summertime out here in Vegas, they would run, they would meet up at like 3.30 a.m. to run. They want to be out in the cool weather. So they could stop by your office at 6 a.m. to get treated, right? So if I was working with triathletes, I would definitely bias towards that 4, 5, 6 a.m. time uh, and probably pay my trainer a little extra to be there at those times, right? My coach. But bias towards that morning time because two reasons. Number one, those triathletes all were white-collar six-figure earners, right? None of them were struggling for money. So they're the perfect kind of clientele that you'd want. And because they're, you know, very successful business people and they have high-level jobs, once their day gets going at like eight or nine, they can't pop in for a visit. So I'd even offer a care at those times as well. I might, if I, if I were going for triathletes, I'd offer classes starting probably at 4 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. And I'd offer visits from six to nine, six a.m. to nine. I think you could capture a lot of them that time. Now, if you're in an area like San Diego where it's beautiful all the time, uh, maybe there's afternoon riders. Maybe that's the big time to uh, to capture them. But I'd try and match that up. So I've told this story a hundred times, but I'll say it again. When I was working with golfers, golfers, you know, if they're pro, semi-pro or collegiate, they've teed off at They've never teed off after 9 a.m. I'll just say that. It's very rare for them to have a, a tea time later than 9 a.m. Most of them are teeing off at 6.30, 7, 7.30, and 8, right? Comparatively, we had a couple NBA, uh, NBA players. They don't even wake up till 10 or noon because every game they've ever played starts at 7 p.m., maybe even later. So their workday starts at 7 p.m., ends at midnight. They're not coming in for 6 a.m. appointments or 6 a.m. gym time. They're doing it at noon, 1, 2. So balance that out. So you have to match the hours with the population. And I would give that a lot of thought because who are you trying to get is a very important question regarding uh, <clears throat> regarding. Um, the population you want to go after, because maybe they have a, you know, if there's a certain population has a really good insurance, right? So if they have really good insurance, we can, uh, you know, you're going to get paid better, or maybe you want to do cash, right? Or maybe you want to do whatever. Sorry, I was getting an alert there. If you want to do cash, you want to do a really high end insurance. It's worth looking at that instead of changing your whole schedule for people that can only come in with crappy insurance or who won't pay cash. So it's worth a look there. Again, going back to those triathletes, like they would have paid cash even if they didn't have the insurance, but they typically had a very high-end, low-deductible, low-copay plan. I remember one of them had a $5 copay and could get up to $8,500 in care a year, which that's pretty good. Uh, anyways, that's if you want to go for insurance. But I think that going back to the core message of this episode is when you're setting up your hours, there are a lot of things to consider. Okay. Now this has come up twice in the time I've been consulting in the last, whatever, five years. Uh, that's worth considering. The other thing I, somebody shifted their hours around because their neighbor, so they shared a wall with another uh, company and the neighbor was only in there till four and then they left. And so they opened it up because the, the sound from their gym was alongside that wall. So sharing space with, or I mean, you know, what would you call that? 
if the neighbors on either side of you are disturbed by what you do, again, I think that falls under the, you know, can you operate your gym at the same time as your clinic? Um, but it's worth considering and it's actually worth talking to your neighbors if that's going to be an issue and say, Hey, we're starting some classes here. And I think just be a good neighbor. Uh, you can set up the sound system on the opposite wall, do a couple things like that to make it, make sure it's a uh, copacetic for everybody. I have been asked to leave a space, um, with our golf simulator. Uh, and I think if we would have shifted the hours, we'd probably have been fine, but it was, it pissed me off. We had our golf simulator set up and the next door neighbor was like, when you hit those golf balls, it's so loud. It scares us, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so when time came to renew the lease, the landlord said you rent 1500 square feet. Uh, the next door neighbor runs 7,000 square feet. So I'm going to back her up and, uh, you got to find a way. And I said, unfortunately, what if I mitigate it by, you know, installing some sound barriers and stuff? And he said, that's fine. But if it doesn't work, I'm still going to ask you to leave. And I was like, eh, I don't want to invest $2,500 into something that might not work. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. So I hope this was helpful. Now there's one more layer I think worth addressing. So you want to look at when are you the busiest or when can you shove people in there that won't disturb everything? Number three, uh, what is the group you want to go after and when do they want your classes to be, I think is important. Uh, and then finally this idea, we're talking about using this space for classes because classes and that membership base, I think is the best, uh, the best business move you can make. I think, you know, if you look around, memberships is where everybody is going. Amazon Prime, Netflix, Costco, Harry's Razors, uh, Dollar Shave Club. Everything is going towards a membership. Hell, the car wash that I go to, um, we're members of their car wash program, right? It's where everybody's going because your revenue becomes so predictable. You can adjust the price. People pay. It's just a better model. I would move every aspect of your business to membership if you could. If you feel comfortable charging people a membership base, like look at the joint. It's the fastest growing chiropractic uh, office out there. Why? I don't think it's lost that it's a membership model. You know, it's, it's without that, that business would not survive. If they were not charging a membership, they would not survive. So give it some thought. Could you provide high-end kick-ass care in your clinic on a membership model? Um, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to set the right price point, but I think it's worth it. And, um, you know, that's, it's a good one. It's going to be tough if you also accept insurance, FYI. So you might want to talk to a really good uh, attorney about that. But I think it's worthwhile because your revenue becomes so predictable. And I, I always use the example of Netflix. Early on, they charge something like $7 or $11 for their membership. And look at them now. After just, you know, five to 10 years, they have grown so big that they're buying movies. They have their own studios. They're, they're paying comedians tens of millions of dollars to do a Netflix special. It's insane. Why? Because they have predictable revenue. They're not wondering where their next patient or their next uh, customer is going to come from. They're making the most of the uh, existing ones. And that's what you should do in a membership model. Anyways, where am I going with that? These classes would be membership-based, right? Now, what do you do if you have classes at, let's say, 5, 6, and 7 a.m., and then you don't have another class till noon? What do you do with the space if it's available? Some people, like Chip, it was part of his clinic space. It was his rehab area, right? And there was just barely enough time—sorry, barely enough space to do rehab with patients. Um, so that's why he couldn't have classes going all day long. But what should you do? I think if you have the space, you should use it 
as a clinic rehab area because you want to physically get those patients into the gym space and get them getting used to it, picking up the weights, doing all that stuff. There's a psychological barrier if they haven't been in that space before, right? And it that psychological barrier erodes if you physically walk them in there and use the same equipment they're going to use in those classes uh, later in their time with you. Also, I think that you should look at that time as an opportunity to do cash-based rehab. So what is cash-based rehab? In our three phases of the clinic gym hybrid model, first phase is exercise. You got to give every one of your patients exercise every visit. If you don't do that, everything I'm talking about today is going to be incredibly hard. So start out exercise. The second thing is a, is the trainer as a CA. What does that mean? You start taking that trainer, teaching them everything you know, and they start helping you with rehab. And after a few months, they can do rehab on their own. And what you want to move into is that your patients are scheduling appointments with your rehab, your CA slash trainer, your rehab staff. They're scheduling appointments with them. And you as the provider never see that patient that day. So let's just say you have a care plan that's at 20 visits, right? That might be eight visits with the doctor. So early on, it's three visits a week. Then week two, you're going to add in one, one visit with the trainer. By week five, maybe you're they're more with the trainer and you're just seeing that patient one time a week. Work out the numbers. I'm just spitballing here. But you want to get into the area where you're, they're doing cash-based rehab, meaning the trainer, the CAA slash trainer, is taking them through rehab for about an hour long. And the patient is paying cash for that service and they are never encountering you. Now, this can be done under the umbrella of the care plan, right? The care plan is up to you as the doctor. The care plan is different than the financial plan. So if you're charging insurance for those visits with, um, with you know, the visits for the chiropractic visits, you need to check your state laws and whatnot if this can qualify as supervised care. In some states, supervised means that you've trained the individual and that they can contact you. For example, in the state of Nevada, a PA... A uh, physician's assistant is considered supervised as long as they have, uh, what is it called? It's the silliest law in the world. It's, su it's supervised as long as they have one-on-one -on -one contact with the doctor. What does that mean? It's been defined in our state as the ability to fax, call, text, or email the doctor within 24 hours of seeing that patient. I mean... The doctor could be in Hawaii and they, the PA could be here in Vegas and it counts as, you know, supervised. Anyways, check with your local state laws. I know that some people in the group, they have very strict state laws. And uh, in our Facebook group, when I say that, they have very strict state laws, which means the doctor must maintain a line of sight to anybody providing care under that treatment plan. So that means you need to treat that person and be able to watch. Now, if that's you, I'll get to that in a second. Some states just say, hey, the person is trained by you and they can reach out via call, text, email if anything goes wrong, or uh, the doctor, some states say the doctor needs to see the patient more than 30% of the time, aka a third of the business needs to be with the doctor, sometimes even less than that. Whatever it is, make sure it's compliant with your local laws, but once it is compliant, maximize that stuff, man. Crank it up. Like, Do everything you can to... to you know, you want to get as close to that, that legal limit in the scope as you can. 
I think a good example of that would be like surgeons. Surgeons don't take vitals. They're allowed to, right? Their scope includes vitals, but they're like, hey, listen, I'm going to just do the cutting and sewing because that's what I'm paid to do, right? And uh, they let a medical assistant take the vitals or a nurse or somebody else in that state. So they're maximizing their license. That's why at the end of every one of these episodes, I say, go out there and maximize your license. Use the hell of that license as far as you can. Uh, because there's money to be made. There's profit to be made when you maximize your license. But when you tamp it down as you're the only person that can provide hands-on care, you're the only person that can provide rehab, man, you're just, you're just stomping on all your profit. Anyways, going back. Um, oh yeah, what would I do if I had a state uh, scope that required me to maintain line of sight? I tell you this, I would about, so once you have a gym, you'll realize this. And I encourage you to talk to anybody that has a clinic gym and they'll tell you that this happens all the time. You can treat many people out there on the clinic, on the gym floor. In fact, I would put some tables out there and I'd mount them on those floor sliders, those little slick things, super easy. You can push them to the side during classes and pull them back out. I would treat in the gym, open gym area most of the time, probably 80% of my visits. I would probably do all my new patient exams in a private room. Why is that? Well, it allows me to maintain line of sight. If I'm in there and my CA slash trainer is over in a different corner, I just need to look over there and I can maintain that line of sight with them at the time, right? And what you'll realize, it's very efficient to provide care in the gym setting. It's super efficient. Um, it, it And most people, barring like... um you know, I always say like dry needling somebody's glutes. I wouldn't do that in an open gym bay. It's just not, uh, you know, it's not nice. Uh, so you want to provide a little bit more respect than that. However, I think most of 80 to 90% of the stuff we do adjusting soft tissue work, um, early rehab history, uh, physical exam, run movement exams, like the SFMA, all that can be done in that gym space. And again, you're getting over that psychological hump of them being in that space. So I would consider that if I was restricted to that line of sight issue, but either way, I think it's important. Number one, look at your hours of when people are already coming to your clinic, use that as a guide. Number two, if running gym classes will impede or interfere with the clinic, then find times that you can window them as close to those, those uh, desired times as you can. Number three, find out your perfect patient, who is the perfect patient you want, and then set up classes to serve that person. Again, if it's marathon runners and triathletes, they like to work out in the morning, bias your gym times towards morning workouts. Number four, check your local state laws to make sure that uh, what your scope says about using a CA and trainer. But once you find that out, maximize your license, use the hell out of them. And number five, modify as needed to have that because the goal is that when you don't have classes, that gym space is being utilized for cash-based rehab. It's just another revenue source that's really going to push you over the edge. And it's so awesome to make money in a practice when it's not your hands that need to make it. You're no longer handcuffed to your table to make money. And the reason just in case you're wondering, I like the CA trainer more than I like uh, hiring another associate is the cost. You can get a trainer, a really good trainer to work for you for about 20 to 25 bucks an hour. I think most Kairos um, expect more than that. You know, um, I've even seen, I was talking to somebody maybe two months ago and uh, they pay 1.5 times 
minimum wage, which is super low. I think a lot of people, if you're willing to provide training and education to that trainer, they'd be willing to work for you. Some as low as minimum wage. I, I think that we overestimate how much people need to get paid. And much like you have probably spent a lot on education, people value education a lot. So if you lay out an education plan for the next year, they're more than likely to jump on it and say, I'd love to do it, right? So I hope that was useful. I hope this is interesting. And I'll end this as I end every podcast, which is by saying, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks, everybody. Have a great one. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.